Look up there in the sky. It's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One writer. One artist. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. Woo! You didn't dance to the music with me, and I, 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 I lost back, interest. I rocked back and forth a little bit. A little bit. I only got I'm so much energy. Only so much energy. I know. You only had three rock stars this morning. Just one. Running a little low. Now I'm drinking Coke. Coke Zero. Yeah. I'm drinking Agua. I'm going to pour it all over my keyboard. <laughs> Does, that counteract? Does that counteract the coffee? I think the keyboard would actually work, but all the keys will st- are sticky now. I'd, I don't know. The thing is 15 years old. It's time to... It's time to, to head on head on down to Tiger Direct yeah. and get yourself a new keyboard. They do have a really nice mechanical keyboard there that's almost as good as the two hundred dollar ones, or at least it seems like it is. It's backlit. <coughs> Ooh, fancy! I I definitely want a keyboard that I can use in the dark, <laughs> as I so often, as I so often am on the computer, and all of a sudden I notice it's dark. So, Handsomeites, so, how are you guys doing out there in Radio Land? Internet Radio Land? I'm glad I made it awkward. <laughs> we got a great week to talk about. A lot of comics to talk about. A lot of things to talk about. We're reading Starlight, Mark Millar, Goran mm-hmm. Parlov. Some pulpy science fiction-y action adventure coming your way at the end of the show. Well, towards the end of the show. It's the last thing. Big, The last big thing. It's not at it's the, the ne- end, though. It, it's the next big thing. That's Brock Lesnar. I keep getting those guys confused. He does kind of look Bro- Brock Lesnar-y. Who? Guy from Starlight. Oh, Duke Duke McQueen. That is his name, isn't it? It is. But he—I mean—he is a, a a gigantic strapping mm-hmm. strapping man. So he mm-hmm. he does look kind of like Bork Laser. Does he? Does he looks like Crash Fist Fight? <laughs> exactly. But before we get to any of that stuff, we have a very important part of the week. It's time for Weekly Floppies. Eric's laughing at me. You're laughing at me laughing at you. I am laughing and I'm ta- at you. And I'm, and I'm talking over the intermission noise. It's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> How? I'm breaking the fourth wall. This well, is crazy. This whole show is the the breaking the fourth wall. We're talking directly to people. <laughs> Weekly Floppies is part of show where Eric and I will review the week's books, a selection of them, tell you to buy or do not buy them. And you should listen to us. So we're smart guys. In addition to talking about comics, Robbie will also explain to me what the fourth wall is. This is TV <laughs> TV talk with with Eric and Robbie. This is TVTropes.com. <laughs> oh, God. We'll talk about MacGuffins next week. I will totally talk about MacGuffins. Denny O'Neill was the one that taught me that word. Denny O'Neill with Batman? Exactly. Mm. 
He did a very good how to write comics that I read when I was in early college. <coughs> Highly recommended. Yeah, he's a his Batman run is spectacular. And he Denny's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. This week, first up, DC Lobo number six. This one I love that you're laughing as you read it. That's I just, that's I picked it just for it's you. It's very right? apt. I'm trying to find where the credits are. They're in here somewhere, I'm sure. Probably at the end, because that's where they always are in DC books. Mm-hmm. Written by Colin Bunn, Art Cliff Richards, Colors Pink Pant- Pantazis, Travis Lamb doing letters. Um, Pant and Nazis. I try, was trying not to use the word Nazis in there, because it doesn't say he's Nazis, but it, you want to ah. say it. This is, uh, we, we missed the first issue of the first arc of Lobo, relaunch of Lobo. We were busy reading other comics, but this is and a pick. Some would say good comics. <laughs> Are you saying this is a bad comic, Eric? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, this uh, uh, plot. I, uh, Lobo plot question mark. <laughs> Lobo murder question mark. Yeah. A lot of, there's. It's very gory. Uh, just, there's, there's, uh, we're introduced to several characters at the beginning of the issue that do not make it to the end. Uh, people are d- killing each other in pools of, in actual pools of blood. There's stuff about, I don't, hunting, let, you know, re- redeeming stuff. I, I don't know. What is that? Did you get anything out of this, Eric? Uh, I, I got a nice, uh, out of it. <laughs> anything meaningful? No. Nothing that I want to carry with me. Nothing that you want I, to carry with you? I, Did you I enjoy know. anything of it? Any part of it? I like this woman with the Samus Aran gun arm. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty cool. Then in the, in principle, at least. Yeah, but then her arm, her gun arm does get rid of off, and then her eyes get plucked out. Yeah, like you do. What do you say? What do you, you say know? about the? What do you say about the art? I was trying to think about there was an issue of Animal Man or po- no actually it wasn't Animal Man it was um it was the John Constantine reboot one of the f- very first things we read mm-hmm. do you remember in the in the long ago times I do remember yeah I meant I was thinking this whole time that it was Animal Man because I was associating it with uh with Lee Meyer whoever whoever the artist was in this there's there's some stylistic things that are reminding me of that i was not a fan of that art and i am not a fan of this art mm-hmm. because a lot of it looks like there are characters like posed in three dimensions with um you know some sketch up or poser or some kind of thing that they're loading 3d models of people and posing them and essentially tracing them because it, this looks like a lot of a lot of tracing yeah, and I don't really care for it. It's it's a little too on the nose in some cases and very rigid. Mm. Um, and it just it it doesn't really work. It looks like the colorist is working overtime and really photoshopping in some backgrounds that look like crap. Um, but they're doing a lot to overcompensate for very sparse and just bleak art that I just don't care for. This is. This is not good, in my opinion. <laughs> and I, this is this is. I'm shocked that uh, Cullen wrote this. Mm-hmm. I'm stunned that he wrote this. I did not think he could do something this just. Bleh. 
This is this is someone that I consider myself a fan of. Mm-hmm. I, so I do not enjoy this. Partially the reason I I I I, I have, let us have a take a look at it. I, I yes, I'm also underwhelmed by it. Uh, I I think if it just went further, yeah, like just more. It needs to. It needs. It's not. It's like in that uncanny valley between a a serious comic and mm-hmm. parody. Mm-hmm. Which in old Lobo was yeah, parody. Exactly. It was exactly parody. Um, and this kind of feels like it's got vestigial parody in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it, I, it's just like in there, like just just a just a fragment of that little bit in there. And like enough I, to make it kind of bad. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. It needs to. I don't know. Decide where it wants to go. I would say. I don't know. I Lobo is unless you do that full on parody thing. He's just not a. Regardless of how more of a male model you make him look like, unless mm. like uh, Lemmy, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It it doesn't make it a a great character to write around the serious story necessarily. Honestly, I was pretty okay with Space Lemmy. I like. That's what I mean. Like unless you that they go full on parody with Space Lemmy. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it's fine. This, hey, let's try to make it serious comic with male model Lobo. Eh. I feel like, I feel like Cullen's struggling with this. Um, I want to give it a little bit more benefit of the doubt because it's someone who I believe in, but something is completely like taking the wind out of the sails of this. I don't know if this is like DC editorial that's, uh, sort of neutering this or, like if Colin's just not very good at writing this character, or I don't even know what, but something's wrong, something's bad. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I'd take a it, the glance at the first arc and see what it's like, but yeah, on this alone, do not buy. Absolutely, do not buy. Double, do not buy. Next up, Green Lantern. No more number forty. Gosh, I love the DC. Whoever's doing DC covers decided they need lots of extra text on everything to tell mm-hmm. you exactly what's happening instead of just including a recap page. I think that's a, another problem thing I want to point about Lobo number six was that mm-hmm. Colin had to waste a page or two explaining what had happened of the, in the previous arc. Marvel just has a recap page. Why DC just put a recap page in so you writers can tell more story. But, okay, whatever. Uh, Green Lantern is written by Robert Venditti, pencils Billy Tan, inks Mark Irwin, colors Tony Avina, letters Dave Sharp. As the cover says, Green Lantern no more. Old, uh, old Hal has some scheme about how no one likes Green Lanterns anymore. <laughs> and to make people like the Greenlands anymore, he will make himself a scapegoat of all the bad things they've done recently, which I'm not totally familiar with, but it doesn't matter for this book. Uh, it's not bad, like in any yeah, this quantifiable is, way. It's, it's okay-ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, usually Green Lantern stories are, um, they're stories I enjoy more in the DC universe. There's a lot of stuff that I just that just doesn't sit well with me. Um, how about this works? This works okay. What I was going to ask you, uh, how, what do you think about page sixteen, Eric? Let me let me navigate to said page. Uh, well, I'm all about I'm all about bro hugs. That's okay. <laughs> well, one of the that's guys, a partic- 
That's a particularly sweet one. <laughs> one of the guys, after uh, Kilowog has been knocked unconscious, mm-hmm. <laughs> by Hal, Hal hugs him. <laughs> yes. I'll, I will knock you unconscious and then hug you. Yeah, but, uh... Listen, listen to that pregnant pause. Yeah. Just... <laughs> that uncomfortable silence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you... Uh, this comic's fine, I think. What, what do you think about this direction, I guess, and that having Hal as this renegade non-lantern? It's an interesting enough development, I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't have too many strong feelings about it this this issue is i started off not really liking it i i'm i like kilowog i don't like the way he's handled in this it's a little little something i don't know i don't like this uh this art on him um i think it's an it's a good enough device you know mm-hmm. how running off to take the blame for this and be the i I don't know. It works well enough um, within my understanding of the character. I, I I don't particularly find it compelling. Right. Would you um, read the next issue? Probably not. Okay. But I'm not terribly sad that I picked this one up. That said, I don't think I'm. A, I, I don't think I'm a buy on it. I mean, maybe this will end up being an amazing arc, and we'll be talking about it again. But this is more or less forgettable in my eyes. I don't know. It's this is it's like I can't advise buying it when no, I'm no. I no. There's no it's, reason to buy this. If you're a Green Lantern fan, you're probably already buying it. Yeah. But if you're not a Green Lantern fan, this is not going to make you. Oh, I suddenly love the Green. I suddenly love Green Lantern. It's not. I was hoping for a little bit more, mm-hmm. something bigger than Hal quits. Okay. And there's a brawl there's like, in a locker, and not not a locker room, even like a supply closet. <laughs> exactly, it's, it's their uh, evidence locker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're space they're evidence locker. space cops, and they have a brawl in a locker. That's, That's what I want, Mike Greenland. Uh, yeah. Do not buy. I'm a do not buy. Yeah, don't don't yeah, buy this du- book. God damn it! Double double do not buy. The art looks like Jim Lee School of Art, by the way. Yeah, so, not not great, right. honestly. That's a relatively good way to describe it. But where the hell is this next book under? It's Project Superpowers Black Cross. What? Why can't they just call it? Why can't it just be under Black Cross and Comicsology? Yeah, because everything is really complicated. <laughs> Apparently, this we the my frustration with Comicsology continues. Uh, eventually, let me read something. This is uh, our indie book of the week is Project Superpowers Black Cross. I'm just going to call it Black Cross because that makes it much more sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, number one, written by Warren Ellis, art by Colton Worley, colors Morgan Hickman, letters Simon Boland. It'll it'll I it'll pick- be named uh, next next week. It'll be named uh, the Autumn Lands Black Cross <laughs> Project Superpowers number three. Yeah, because number two we can't do number two because that's that's under Project Superpowers a different title. Mm-hmm. Uh. I would just, from after just this first issue, I picked it up solely because Ward Ellis is writing it. Well, th- yes. There's there's no way we're going to miss it. Yeah. Yeah, no no idea what the hell is happening uh, other than that. I have no idea what Project Superpowers is. I think it's an effort to relaunch old titles or something like that by Dynamite. I don't know. It. I did not buy this book because of its connection to that. Um, without any knowledge of what it, this is coming from, it reads very much like a very... 
dark Twin Peaksy story, mm-hmm. which I like. I think I like it. I like it. It's it's good enough. I enjoyed it. I would read issue two. It's got me intrigued enough about the mysteries of the town to read issue two. What do you think, Eric? What do you What are your thoughts on it? It's it's a it's a Warren Ellis book, and I think that's his <laughs> that's his superpower is uh, making you say, "Hey, I think I want to read the next one." That's probably why he keeps getting work in comic books. Yeah, it's funny that way. His other superpower is looking grumpy with a beard. Yeah. There, did you? I was going to ask you, did you see there the, I don't know if you follow either Fraction or Ellis on Tumblr? Uh, no, not on Tumblr. I don't know if they, it happened, if that, the stuff happened on Twitter as well, if they, you know, cross post stuff, but Fraction posted a picture of his, you know, of a, of his beard. Mm-hmm. He had been growing out his yes, facial I've, hair. I have seen and the th- pictures then, of the beard. And then Ellis, <laughs> Ellis, uh, shamed him for his, <laughs> For his un- unbeardliness. That's really funny. I didn't it's think it hilarious. was a particularly unbeardly beard. He looked pretty fucking beardy to me. No, it was beardly, but Ellis is like, that's no... Yeah, it was just... Uh, that's not a beard. <laughs> exactly. you uh, but yeah, there's Spoony before. Beardy, unbeardy? I don't know. No, but uh, there's serial killers. There's weird deaths. There's... Phantom emails, there's horrible nightmares and weird ghost things, supernatural in small towns. So, it's, I, it's fun. What do you think about the art? I don't think I'd describe this book as fun at all. (laughs) No, but it's fun. The mystery is fun. What was really fun is when that guy poured napalm on himself and set himself on fire. I'm not saying that the events are fun. I'm just saying that the book is fun to read. (laughs) The book is good. The book is yeah. very what do you good think? and very intriguing, and the hooks uh, really, really grab you. And I mean, this is this is this is all like the hallmarks of Ellis. The man knows how to make a compelling comic book. He does not screw around. What do you think about the art? I enjoy it. It's very strange for a comic book. I guess I'm so used to. I'm so used to tip more typical superhero art, and this is not at all. This, no. uh, I don't know. This is more almost academic figure drawing. Um, it's it's got some sort of pop arty influence in it, but it's very different than a lot of things. And but you know, not so outlandish that you know it looks that bizarre. It's not like Supreme Blue Rose or anything, which is pretty outlandish. No, I like it as well. It's certainly different than what you know we'd get out of most, certainly most superhero comics, and mm-hmm. but it it fits the weird. No, I think it mystery. does. I think it does. Yeah, it's appropriate. It. Uh, I think it. The whole um, the whole Twin Peaks vibe. You know, you threw out Twin Peaks, and I think that it it works with that uh, pretty well. Yeah, and X Files. I would also say very X Filey mm-hmm. with the cops mm-hmm. you know, and everything. Yeah. So I'm a buy. It's good. Solid book. Double buy. Totally. Totes my goats. Yep, that's that's a deep cut there at this yeah. point. Bring, bringing it back. Mm-hmm. Our next book, going over to Marvel, is uh, a book I'm trying to find the credits page for. I'm sure it exists somewhere in this comic. Of course, it's on the last page. Uh, it is the all-new Hawkeye, number one. The new run of Hawkeye starting before the last run has ended. With Jeff Lee Meyer and Ramon Perez as storytellers, Ian Herring with Ramon Perez doing colors, 
and Joe Sabino doing the letters. Um, I really like this. It's, it's, it's kind of taking that fraction Hawkeye and kind of pointing it in a slightly different direction. Mm-hmm. But you still feel that kind of that irreverence in character that Fraction was so good at. Fraction Aha and uh, Annie Wu were so good at delivering in their comic. So I, I think it's, it's, I I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to go as far as to say really enjoyed it. Like, I think it is good and I'm glad that I've checked it out and I will probably, I would feel pretty comfortable recommending it and I feel pretty comfortable, um, checking out the next ones. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't feel as rich and is um it feels empty in comparison to um to the fraction. Even though I did have I did have a, some, some issues, particularly like this I picked up the last trade not so long ago and mm-hmm. I really I mean I really like Kate, but something about that arc I didn't enjoy it as much as the previous two. But this feels a little emptier to me and well it's certainly more focused on her especially her it's all in mm-hmm, the present mm-hmm. but in the flashbacks it's all clint and barney so it's i feel like maybe that's part of it is it it's i don't feel like it's doing either particular either particular time well like i feel like sort of interspersing it like doing this frame story with this flashback it doesn't make a lot of sense. It feels like it's kind of half-assing both parts of the story. And I feel like both could just deserve a little bit more attention. I'm I'm curious as if this entire first arc is going to be like this with every issue like this. Mm-hmm. Everyone, with flashback right, and everyone's modern split. and yeah, and then the flashback leads they're both they and they lead to congruent yeah. endpoints. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a fair criticism of it. Yeah, I think it's a bit not necessarily right. getting as much as, but I don't. I if they do that, I think it would probably read better as a whole because then you are getting. It's it's difficult to do in a single issue, mm. one at a time. It's a lot to, to ask make it a, work. It's a lot to ask of a comic book to tell two concurrent stories. They're not really great for that. Do you do you uh, like the art? Do you like the the diff- the two different art styles and how they? No, no, I like no. the more aha uh, style. Mm. I do not really care. I think that the the watercolory style. I mean, it's it's okay on some pages, and in a lot of them, it just looks sort of muddy. I think that's one of the reasons that they they went for the monochromatic color is it's it's getting a little kind of. I don't think they could have done this kind of mark making. I don't think they have the experience to do it in color. I mean, obviously, it's the past, and it lends itself to that, so it's not entirely a bad decision. But I I am not overwhelmed by that. I like the, the more aha style for the present. I really wish we spent more time then, and I wish that it was more clear what was happening, what this reveal at the end was. Yeah, I imagine that's... Will be ex- ex- expounded upon as we continue in the series, but I'm I still like it. I really I did enjoy it a lot. It <coughs> I'm willing. I I'm a buy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm off the mush meter. Fully off the mush meter. Off the mush meter. I'm a buy. Eh, I'm gonna mush it up a bit. Let's say I'll I'll give it a dose. Okay. So so it makes it a one. So we yes. got an Anu Hawkeye number one. 
Double buy mush meter on the on a one solid on the, the on a, on the on the mush meter mm-hmm. from one to one to five. If you guys aren't aware the the range, it's very important. Five's very mushy. Five's very mushy. Full on one, mushy. Almost don't one is buy just it. Almost on the edge. Mm-hmm. Our last book of the week is uh, Spider Woman number five. New costume, new status quo. Uh, as the cover proclaims. Mm-hmm. Written by Dennis Hopeless, Javier Rodriguez doing pencils and colors, Alvaro Lopez doing inks, Travis Lanham doing letters. This is the uh, the the much heralded new costume, new stuff happening. So on the surface, very much like Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Rides a motorcycle, yes, kind of the the jackety thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I mean, female lead character. But I'm that's fine with me. Yeah, I still really liked it. I don't. It's fine. It, if that's what it takes more of these comics like Batgirl to come out that they have to be like Batgirl. That's fine. I, I'm, yeah. I found this a lot of fun. I'm, I'm surprisingly unbothered by having more fun comics that are light and have female lead characters that are good. Yeah. I, I'm okay <laughs> with these combinations of things. Um, this team is all male, isn't it? Mm, Writer yes. and artist team. Mm hmm. Yeah. A bit odd for this choice, but I think they're they're doing it a service. It's uh, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool looking book, and I feel like they've uh, they've captured this voice very well. There's something about the style of um, you know the sort of the emotion that they capture and the, the stylization of the, the the faces that's very mm-hmm. um, uh, superior foes of Spider Man. This has a this has yeah. a slightly more appealing. Um, and I mean appeal in sort of the comic, uh, the the cartooning sense. Do you, right. you recall when I've used that before? Yes. It's like it's like that, except less bleak, more more appeal. You know, it's mm-hmm. like um, oh hell, um, Superior Foes of Spider Man is like Arrested Development when. You know, something with more appeal would be a show like Game of Thrones with all this crossover appeal. Mm-hmm. This is this is more towards that end of the spectrum. Although I don't I don't know that it's quite there, but I really really like this. This is easily my favorite book this week. I was about to say the same thing. Oh yeah. So yeah, this is a uh, it, it. And you mentioned Spirit Pose of Spider Man. It certainly has a lot of that mm-hmm. kind of irreverence and the D list heroes. Oh yeah, being involved in the plot and the you know. <laughs> Her playing uh, charades in jail. Mm-hmm. Was, it was very, was really, it was very cute. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff like that where you're like, ah, oh, it's and I I like Ben Ear Ben Eric. I like him as a character. I I'm I'm enjoying seeing him being used somewhere. That now that Daredevil has gone to the West Coast, mm-hmm. uh, and Jessica Drews, I, I characters I've always enjoyed, but I this feels a lot more natural, I guess, mm-hmm. for her for her and that cop. Thank God that costume is gone. It never really was a good costume. No. Um, I don't know that I had quite, I I don't, I don't know. I don't really have too many problems with like, you know, the sexy girl superhero costumes, but it just never, it was just a, a, it's garish bad, not garish good. Spider-Man's garish good. Right. That was. And this, yeah. This new costume is much improved. It's, it's fun and interesting to look at. And I, and is also not has a giant doesn't have a giant arrow pointing at at her crotch. That's always good. I'm gonna get a giant but, arrow pointing at my crotch. 
you should do that. Mm-hmm. That's that sounds like that, something I would do. But uh, I I definitely prefer this one over uh, the book they launched with, which has a uh, Greg Land doing yeah. the art. So this art is better than that. Mm-hmm. I do Much like better. that they reference all that all that uh, controversy <laughs> in this. It's actually yes, really do. funny. She says yeah. she's shame googling spider spider woman butt. That's really <laughs> yes. that's really good. I, I Frankly, never, this is I never heard the term shame googling. Shame googling, yeah. Now you have, but bye. If you're not clear, this yeah, this is the best book of the week by far that we read, yeah. and uh, it's really good. I'm I'm gonna be reading this moving forward. Maybe so. maybe you're out there getting mad at us because you really liked Lobo and hate this. Well, I don't <laughs> want to talk to you. <laughs> there are those people out there. I know, and they I'm, exist. I'm glad they're they alive, exist. but I don't want to sit next to them on the bus. Eric's very picky about his about his, about bus, his companions, bus, uh, yeah. bus companions. Um, did you read anything else this week, Eric? Oh no, there were several that I wanted to pick up, but I did not because I'm cheap. <laughs> I I read uh I read one other thing. It was the new Detective Comics. I uh, know I the, uh, I saw it and I'm like, why aren't we reading that? And I'm like, I know Robbie's reading it, and I knew if I had bought it, we'd be talking about it now. I want to read it. Because it's it's, it's, it's the good. uh yeah it's the last issue of the of the anarchy arc the anarchy arc An- anarchy arc the, uh, uh but anarchy archy it's it's great it has some great uh some great Harvey Bullock some great Bullock moments in there along with Batman and everything it's uh it's Manipal of course the art is still s- spectacular <laughs> and beautiful mm. this whole last arc has been frankly I could care I mean the bat this is my Batman comic it's the one I read so. We could, we're, we haven't been following up on what the hell is going on with Joker and then Snyder's Batman, but I'm sure we'll catch up eventually. Uh, I did also, I just found this out before we started recording, uh, solicitations for Thor number eight. I guess I, I finally saw. That's when, that's when we're going to find out who Lady Thor is. Uh oh. Number eight. That's three issues away. But that's it for, 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 for floppy time. Mm, boy. Very sad. That's over until next week. Then we get more floppy time. It's, it happens every week, guys. So don't be too upset. I'm talking to you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> next up, it is time for checking in. Checking in is part show where Eric and I will talk about what we've been up to during the week. Recommend nerdy things or do anti-rex, anti-recommendations. Mm-hmm. We, we've done those as well. Eric, what have you been up to? I I have new battle damage. <laughs> I saw your uh, mm-hmm. I saw your Facebook post. Oh yeah, I saw. I, I believe after seeing them live for a second time, that's that's my new declaration that uh, Behemoth is is my now favorite metal band. They're mm. they're effing incredible. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I who was uh love seeing them live. They're so good. Can I? Can I ask you a question? You may. How, who was carrying that crown between Blood Mountain and now? It was it was an empty chair. No one sat. Okay. On the, no one sat on the Iron Throne. It was vacant. Yeah, it was. Okay. There was right. there was uh, none. I'm, they had not. I was curious. Anyone there? Just taking an empty place in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> but behind is. Uh, uh, as you probably know, they're touring for their uh, their album, The Satanist, 
which is a good album. album. I uh, yeah, I've listened to it on the Spotify. It's very good. I like pretty much their whole catalog. Um, they're one of the last bands I've been buying CDs for. I feel like an an, an incredibly old person buying CDs, but it's, it, <laughs> they're they're still selling tons of CDs. You know, it's surprising well, when that, you're... that that that's there's a percentage there that has remained steady. Like it's not just it's not just trending down and down and down. It's remained pretty steady. Young people too. Well, when you're, uh, I was about to say, if it's young people, then mm-hmm. that kind of shatters my whole uh, preconception. Yeah, I don't know. Some people just like physical media. Just yeah. they don't want to buy anything digitally. So mm-hmm. vinyl sales have gone up and have steadily because of dorks like me. <laughs> and I, yes. I see your record player right now behind you. Mm-hmm. It's right there. You just looked at it. It's the thing you we never use it. At. I know you're not hipster enough. Apparently, I sure as fuck am. I have a Batman album sitting on my record player. How is that? Did you listen to it? Yes, twice. I, 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 I want to like. I want to set it up to where I can turn on my record player with like my Raspberry Pi or something, mm-hmm. and like be in another room when someone's in my house. And then, like, turn, make the Raspberry Pi, turn the record player on when I'm in the other room. And, like, Batman's theme starts playing. And I come out, and I'm like, da, 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 da. I don't know. That, Are there going to be blimps with uh, searchlights? I hope so. You, feel, you tiny... feel pretty epic when that's playing over your speakers. It's 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 pretty special. Not It's, it's not Behemoth, though. <laughs> No, it's not Behemoth. I had intended to talk about the concert and not about building record-playing robots with a Raspberry Pi. How was the concert? Uh, you got hurt. Oh, I know you got, you got some wounds. I, I did. I got punched in the face four times. Jesus. Yeah. This is pretty rough. Yeah. It's part of the reason I, I, I don't know if I'm <laughs> cut out for metal shows anymore. I, I am finding it very hard to connect with uh metal fans i mean people would like come up and talk to me but the people that i tried to initiate conversation with were not all that interested they're very like i don't know they're very closed off and very these are my friends and that's it i don't know it's strange (laughs) a very different vibe and it's been a long it's been years since i've been to a metal show you know the last one i went to was with you and that was two years ago yeah i haven't gone since then either yeah I miss it to an extent. I still love metal. I'm just finding I listen to less and less of it. So it was it was good to it was good to go to this show and I don't know decide that I don't like metal fans even though I like metal. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. But I, I Behemoth is an amazing band. They're just like this like everything about these guys is like so perfectly like dorky and theatrical. There's this. There was this one moment that I think I will remember forever, where the the lead singer I forget his name. Like the the drummer's name is Inferno. They're so <laughs> like they're just like they're they're just cornball down to the bone, and it's so good. Um, he he's he's standing on like the edge of the stage, and he crosses his arms like this. And he's looking down at the crowd, and everyone's, like, moshing and losing their minds. And he just starts nodding his head in approval. Like, he's like like he's the general on a balcony or something, and I'm like, that's amazing. I don't... 
just like every stupid little thing they did just impressed me so much. I, I don't understand them. They just wear those dumb costumes and masks. It's 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 kind of like it's kind of like Guar, but a little more D and D. I don't know. <laughs> I have the name of the lead singer mm-hmm. if you'd like it. I please lay it on me. Nurgle or Norgal, I'm guessing. Yes, that's them. They're bass yes. bass bass player Orion. Yes. Yes. They're they are so corny and it's so it's so good. It's so good. Uh, so there's where there are three or four of them. There there are three that are like the core of the band and they have they have extraneous guitar player named Seth. I remember that. That's what I was about to say. I'm like there's an extra live guy and he says just it's his he has a, 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 a like his name and then his his code name is Seth. Oh, he's got a okay. <laughs> and I think all uh, bands do that. Like I I know a guy from Charlotte that was in he he was uh, he toured with Wednesday Thirteen. His name is Eric Schmeberg. I'm, I'm friends with him on Facebook and interact with him every so often. But uh, God, he he when he was playing with Wednesday Thirteen, he called himself Pig Pig <laughs> because you can't you can't be in a band like that and call yourself Eric Schmeberg. No. Apparently, their lead singer recently just got over leukemia. Ah, wow. Yeah, he just had he had a bone marrow transplant and was out for years. That's why there's a big gap between their last album and this one. That would explain a lot. I figured they were just lazy because most bands have three and four year gaps between albums. But whatever, they're awesome and holy crap! <laughs> if you like getting punched in the face, go see Behemoth because it's amazing. You you don't you you don't seem to like that's a great endorsement. You don't seem to I'm, think so. I'm past getting punched in the face. I'm. I'm not. Know. I'm not overly proud of it, my, or <clears throat> overly fond of it myself. But I still had a really good time. I was going to say. I think that that time of my life, I going to metal shows, and if I'm going to go, I'm going to be standing in the back. Yeah. Well, mm, I got punched in the face when uh, Hammer <laughs> Smash Face was playing. So. Yeah. How was Cannibal Corpse? By the way. Good. Um. I'm not a huge fan of the Cannibal Corpse, but I think I get them a little bit more now. Their lead singer, like, they're basically exactly Death Clock. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they are 100% Death Clock. And, like... Without irony. No, but exactly. Basically, what I learned from this show is Death Clock is real. They're, They're called Cannibal Corpse. And their fans are completely, without exaggeration, just like the fans in in, in Metalocalypse. There, I literally talked to a guy who's like, "I want this guy from Cannibal Corpse to stab me with a cross and rip <laughs> off my head." And I'm like, "You're a, you're you're you do you, bro. That's awesome." I mean, I'm oh, pretty wow. sure he wasn't serious, but he he literally said those things to me. Yeah, those are things. Yeah. <laughs> Metal fans, bro. Metal fans. They're uh they're they're delightful. I'm glad they're in I'm glad they're in this crazy world. So that's enough of my life. I'm going to Is stay it? up all I'm going to stay up all night drawing because I have a lot of things I need to finish and did not get time to work on them today. I have a show next weekend and will <laughs> not be able to do other things because I we have commitments, don't we? 
We do have them. Yes. So, Robbie, why don't you tell me about your exciting life? Life is not exciting. Uh, whose is? We can't all be getting punched in the face and getting... I can you even see this giant scab on my my arm. I I can see that. That's yeah. pretty awful. Yeah, I got th- I got thrown to the ground for the first time ever. Uh, so okay, I have a podcast recommendation. You in particular. Okay, this is something right up your alley. So Henry Rollins has a podcast now. You've sold me already. I, I it was I love that stupid man. He is my favorite person. <laughs> yeah, he's a. Uh, I had not. It's only it's been out for like three or four weeks now, but I had not not any kind of word on like you would think that if Henry Rollins had a podcast, it would be like, hey guys, pay attention. It's taken a month for iTunes to put it on their featured mm. new notable. I was just looking at I look at it periodically and just add a couple things and check them out and then discard if they're not good. Uh, this is, it's, and I had no idea it was Henry Rollins. It's a very simple, just called Henry and Heidi. Yep. I'm and subscribing and, right now. <laughs> that's, and it's, I'm like, Henry and Heidi comedy. It's featured number one on iTunes. I'm, I'll take a look at it. I'm, I like random con- comedy podcasts here and there. So I looked at it and then I look at the description, Henry Rollins and this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, Henry Rollins is a podcast now. I guess I'm going to listen to this forever. Uh, it's him and his longtime assistant. She's been on multiple. I think she's on his talk show he had on IFC. She was on that as well. Uh, she works. They work really well together. She brings out the uh, she she brings out the Rollins in him. I guess <laughs> makes she makes fun of him and makes him laugh, which is hilarious. Hearing Henry Rollins, the most serious man in the world, laugh at things. Uh, I've listened to a few episodes so far. I haven't listened to all of them, but a lot of it is about him it was his birthday recently so he went kind of it was him they revisited a lot of the time that he spent in in la the parts of la he spent black flag and he tells tells a couple black flag stories and there's later on a later episode called black flag so i I don't know if that's just going to be about black flag but he if you've watched his spoken word and enjoyed that it's kind of just that him telling stories and having conversations and hearing him pontificate and bounce things off of heidi and her aggravate him (laughs) I'm so, I'm going to listen to all of these because that's I I I unapologetically love Henry Rollins. I think he's amazing. Yeah, could listen he's to his, a, his goofy ass talk all day. Yeah, and that's yeah exactly. It pepped up my Friday, which is a long day otherwise. But having Rollins Rollins available was uh was great, and I'm looking forward to more. I <laughs> the weirdest thing about it is that they have. They bought audio equipment specifically for a podcast, and but they all their sound effects are off like a sound effects CD. Excellent. That Rollins cues up <laughs> just manually, just placed, and they hold the microphone up to a speaker. That's just, uh, that's that's pretty punk rock, dude. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's uh, that that'll do you. Yeah. So definitely suggest that. Uh, other I've other than that I've been playing Civ Five and Fallout Three. So now you're checking in with uh, what four year old video games? <laughs> well, I I'll, I will say this that this week uh, Rock Band Four was announced for the for the new consoles. I know you're making me sad with this stuff. I I, I, I didn't take the bait when you were talking about that on Facebook. I'm gonna it's I'm buying an Xbox One whenever Rock Band Four comes out. <laughs> 
It's just it's gonna happen. Is it gonna I'm be a Xbox sucker. I love uh, exclusive. No, it's for both platforms, but your DLC will not be cross-platform ah, tra- transferable. Sense. So all my DLC, I have hundreds of songs <laughs> downloaded. So <laughs> I want access to them. So uh, Microsoft, it is. I'm really yeah. kind of ambivalent towards either of the new ones. So it, one is fine. I don't really care any about any of the exclusives. It's going to be my rock band machine. Harmonics has kind of said that four is going to be the last. It, they're going to make it and then kind of just make it a platform that update it with things as it goes over the years and release new new songs and all that stuff. And I'm I love Rock Band, so I'm going to get four and I'm going to get an Xbox One to play Rock Band four. Uh, so there's that. But no, Civ five is fun. I put the. the I put the computer. I play against the computer, put it on the easiest difficulty, and then just run, run rampage over them. There you go. So that's really Some what maniac. it's all about: is is uh, whole scale murder and genocide. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I just, I just uh, cozy up to them. I'm like, oh, I'm not. Don't worry. I'm just, I'm just founding several cities next to your borders for no particular reason, and then just march in when they they still have swords, and I then I have pistols and and rifles, and I just shoot them down. And, but other than that, not much. Henry and Heidi, go check it out. I I cannot wait. I'm just gonna stop recording this and go listen to them. <laughs> I think they'll keep yeah. me they'll keep me company while I'm drawing barbarians tonight. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I think that's it. I think we're good. I think we can get in some uh some pulpy goodness. You think so, Eric? Mm, we can pulp it up. Pulp it up. It is time. With that, with checking in over. It is time for our final segment. It's time for Nerd Boy Book Club. Uh, Nerd Boy Book Club is part show, and Eric and I will uh, assign a longer collected work and discuss it in depth. Analyze it like you would things in a book club. Crazy. Uh, this week we are doing the aforementioned Starlight, Volume 1. Mark Millar, Goron Parlov. With, uh, let's see, I, I've seen on colors and Marco Hunyik on letters, so... It is a all, uh, where are they? It's from, I think, Croatia? Yeah. Is that to, where, uh, 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 from? Para Croatians. No, well, the letter, it, Marco Sunsik is also Croatian, mm-hmm. so they're all, all of them except for Mark Millar. He's not Croatian. He's farming all this stuff out to Croatia. Yeah. Well, Goran Parlov is, uh, draws some pretty stuff. It's, it is a so, very nice looking book. Yeah. Um, where do you want to start, Eric? I think my probably my best blanket statement about this book and what what endears me to it is this is like a Mobius comic written by someone who understands telling a goddamn story, <laughs> which is exactly what Mobius comics over the many years lack because Mobius can't tell a goddamn story. He can illustrate it beautifully and communicate, you know. That things are happening. He's a storyteller in that sense, but he is not a writer. And I don't care what you say. Neither is uh, neither is Jodorowsky. That that man <laughs> is that no. His scripts are just drug trips or dreams. I was about to say it's like fever dreams. Yeah, exactly. But you you describe and I had not even thought about it that way. But you were one hundred percent correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are one hundred percent correct. It. Uh, it is a pulp story, kind of of a uh, a space hero 
who goes off to this this alternate dimension or galaxy. I, it's a, a different, far away from yes. Earth, far far from Earth, and he is a hero when he in his youth, but he comes back to Earth. No one believes him. There's no proof, so to speak, and. He's old, and his wife is, is the the book starts with his wife uh, 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 dying, and him being retrieved by a uh, young freedom fighter from this planet. They need his help once again. Now he's aged, very uh, in his early sixties, very much like a Bruce Wayne in Dark Knight Returns. I certainly got that vibe from like a you know a giant powerhouse that is mm-hmm. now kind of a little wheezy. I think it's a, a very apt comparison, but it it's uh I I don't know it lacks a lot of the I don't know it it does have some grimness in it, mm-hmm. but I never felt like oh, I think that's my if I'm going to criticize Mark Millar as, as as a whole, it's that a lot of his work just goes to that straight to let's be really ultra violent mm-hmm. and ridiculous and then not grounded in any kind of character and just like that's the selling point it's. There's a lot of crazy over the top violence and grim stuff. I'm looking at you, Kick Ass, in particular. I don't really um, care for Kick Ass personally. I, the, I actually that movie is the movie is better than any of the that first movie. I've not seen the second movie or the or did they make a third? I don't even remember. That. I, I don't know done it yet. They made. There's been a Kick Ass one, two, and three in comics. Mm-hmm. The movie Kick Ass one does takes the material from the in the comic and does it much better, in my opinion. But uh, this doesn't have. It, it certainly has dark and grimness, but I think when you coat it with that kind of pulpy adventure sheen, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel no, as dark. It doesn't. I was gonna say I barely even notice it personally. It's uh, it. It doesn't feel grim or dark at all. I mean, except in the moments when he's on Earth. It just, it, it feels bright and colorful like Flash Gordon. Yeah. I mean, I, I with my, I mean, yes, the stuff on Earth. I think that I, I'm talking even more about like just the, uh, the, the, the despot, you know, mm-hmm. crushing people in a cube mm-hmm. and, you know, the snapping, uh, it's like cartoon just... villainy. The guy, yeah, the, the guy looks like, He's in Behemoth, actually. <laughs> um, I mean, he's he's like a a cartoon wizard villain, mm-hmm. and he uses he magic to kill a guy. I mean, he's like a this is like a guy that would be a villain in Futurama almost. Yeah, so mustache twirly. Yeah, exactly. And it's it it's presented in kind of a Ming the Merciless sort of way. But it, it, in the story, it's like the characters react to him as if it's very like serious and threatening. And but it it's you know as as the antagonist of a story, we we it's so over the top that it's hard to really feel like I don't know. It's anything but but it's snidely whiplash. Mm-hmm. So I don't really I don't read like him killing this guy as uh, I don't really read. Losing my my train of thought here. I don't read it as grim. I just read this as the this is the villain. These are his kick the dog moments. Yeah, and well, that's what I mean. Even though like people are getting like shot and they're getting like chopped in half by these weird electric bullets or whatever, this doesn't mm-hmm. really strike me as like terribly grim and violent. It's like it's like GI Joe guys getting hit with red lasers. You know. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't it doesn't come off to me as is terribly grim. 
No, that's what I mean. I mean, that's the, yeah. the thing that you don't, the, you the, don't feel it. Yeah, the, 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 the shame from the, you know, the, 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 the Buck Rogers, the, the, I already said it once. I'm, I'm. Flash, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. I'm losing my perspicacity. Uh, hmm. Do you remember the, the the kids that came from the future in Dimension X and Ninja Turtles? No. No. I can't think of what they're called, but that's exactly who this kid is with the pink bubblegum hair. Yeah, I like the kid. Yeah, he's pretty good. They managed to give everyone a little bit of arcs. Like they're they don't in such a short story, you do get every single character gets a little a little bit of a the the, the main characters all have like it, it, this is a weird comparison that just hit me. Princess Bride. Elaborate more. I'm I'm interested. Well, I just thought of like the kids Inigo Montoya moment. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the fact that they pair like each of these characters has like a little connection to every single other, and and Princess Bride in a way is like a very much like a uh, pastiche of that fantasy. Mm-hmm story mm-hmm. and this is the same kind of pastiche of that pulpy adventure story and yeah. they both and they I, I do want to discuss the ending with you I, I it I like it's just everything is just it's the happiest of happy endings yes and I don't know in if in every comic I read this if they had such the happiest like everything works out so perfect that I like it that I feel like it was appropriate I don't, I'm not torn with this ending at all. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. How it, it wraps up everything. Everything's wrapped up. His family loves him again. And like, they just, they decided not to abandon him. Yeah, exactly. Like the little kid gets his Inigo Montoya moment. Mm-hmm. The, uh, disgraced bodyguard becomes the new queen. He's, you know, he's suddenly like the world loves him again like the the only way he could do more if like his wife was just miraculously brought back to life like that's the only thing they could have done more duke's going to be okay <laughs> yeah but I, I why do you think it works like so works that you don't mind it like i normally i think in like a story where i would think that they're just like doing too much but I maybe because it's so tongue in cheek at times, or that you, it yeah. knows what it's working with. I think that's a lot of what it is that the ending sort of has to be a function of the material. That when this sets out, it knows that it's it's not like comedy, like Will Ferrell comedy, but it's comedy in the classic sense. That it's going to it's everything is going to be okay in the end, and that's pretty much telegraphed from the beginning. And I think yeah. that I think it's okay. <coughs> You know, you can write a good story that is going to have this saccharine ending, and we don't all need to just read stuff that makes us want to slit our wrists and then listen to the Smiths. Um, Are you talking to Kieran Gillen? Uh, I, he listens to he listens to stuff that isn't from like uh, '60s girl close uh, harmony groups. He does. He listens. Okay. He listens to all music. Okay, I guess that's he listens to everything at once. Every single everything. <laughs> Every single album twice at the same time. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't. I just in like the in Princess Bride the same way. It ends mm-hmm. in like supremely happy. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. Everything works out. Uh, I I just I, the uh, I don't know. It's a lot of. I, what do you want to talk about? Well, I think no. I I think you've got something there. Is why why does that work? I mean, obviously, like I said, it's 
you know, it's set up from the beginning to be that way. Yeah. But why do we accept it? Uh, I, I as, think it's maybe genre, genre, mm-hmm. genre trappings. I think is part Possibly. of it. Pulp stories are like pulp stories kind of just always, Hey, hero wins in the end. Mm-hmm. And really, and, you know, really a lot of stories like when the heroes end up winning, someone ends up paying the price. There's, there's mm-hmm. some, something happens. Uh, you know, some person dies or they lose something precious to them. Some big sacrifice. Yeah, none of that happens here. I mean, it happens on page two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess maybe that's why, because you feel indebted to him to mm-hmm. to like Duke is already paid a lot, and so when it comes back around to you know to work out for him, you don't feel like it's you feel like it's balanced. Mm-hmm. And. I I think did we actually read Starlight number one? I think we did. We right? absolutely For did. The, yeah, yeah. And I think I mentioned it. I don't know if I mentioned it then, but this is literally the beginning. Like this first issue is literally the beginning of Up, <laughs> where, where, <laughs> where where you're just watching for ten minutes as you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna. I've never been so sad in the beginning of a movie before. Yes. And, and it feels, and it, that's the, in the same way it communicates, like, a lot of history and, in and kind of, uh, empathy for Duke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very quickly, very, it's very, um, economic that, you know, Millar fits in, he managed to make you feel very, uh, you know, empathetic for Duke in a very short amount of time. It doesn't even, it, you know, it, yeah. w- even less than an issue, really. It's, his, his it's, wife is alive for two pages in this book. Mm hmm. And she is a ghost in, in the whole rest of it. And you still feel, you still feel that in the book. So it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty remarkable. And it's, it is very good storytelling to, to do that much with so little. Yeah. And, yeah, in, in like six pages, all of this character's super elaborate backstory is laid out in front of you. That's very, very remarkable. Yeah, and it's it, I, and I think that is the best way to do if you're gonna do a story like this, where it's very much like taking, mm-hmm. using the archetypes of pulp adventure stories. That's how like you use it to its best advantage. Is that you? It's a shortcut mm-hmm. to you can. He doesn't have to spell out all these, you know, v- details about what yeah. happened in all these pulp adve- these adventures the guy had. All he has to show is you know a glimpse. Here's when he fought this one dude on a giant t- platform. Here's another time when he did this and that. Mm-hmm. And you feel we fill in the blanks ourselves, but he doesn't skimp on the that personal familial details. Like he gives just enough of that so that we do feel for Duke, which leads kind of to how that happy ending isn't doesn't feel too saccharine. It doesn't feel like oh come on. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're like yes, I'm I'm glad for, I'm glad for Duke. And I'm glad for pink hair kid and I'm, I'm all that. You want to talk about Goron Parlov a little bit, Eric? About how I'm going to, I'm going to go uh, hide under his bed <laughs> just to be close to him. <laughs> just to be close. Yeah. He likes drawing no, he old does. men, doesn't he? He does. Apparently. I don't know. He Or he likes drawing, uh, he, he, he works Pretty exclusively with excellent creators for the most. I mean, very famous big names: Mark Millar, Garth Ennis. You know those guys. Those that that wrong. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it feels, it feels simultaneously like, I guess the stylization is just different. Mm-hmm. You know, because this is, it, it feels like so much of it is so directly lifted from Mobius. It's like such a, such a perfect homage to his comics. It's really pretty remarkable. Um, but there's still a lot of that, uh, Parlov style, you know, that, that we saw in, in, uh, mm-hmm. Fury yeah. Max. I just keep remembering, like, the the long lean figures in Fury Max, but a, a lot of the same hallmarks are there. There's uh, there was a lot of uh, curvy women and male view in Fury Max, so it's nice to see that 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 uh, that tradition continues in this book. <laughs> I'm surprising. I I'm okay with it. Well, <laughs> but I don't think it's again, necessarily I... for everyone. Well, I think it works again. Again, I think yeah. it Fury Max. It works because it's about Nick Fury, yes. which is like the is that he yes. is that yes that he to the hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And this is the same. It's a pulp, a pulp like the that pulp adventure story. That's what it was, and that's I mean that I, I mean the the female bodyguard. She's not. She's never really. Uh, she doesn't take all of her clothes off, but she's a little no. She's a little male view. There's a. <laughs> there's a panel where basically the 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 point of view is like looking straight up her ass but i don't have I, I i this is not necessarily a criticism um i truly enjoy his art and i mean i follow a lot of a lot of creators simply because i like the way they draw women yeah there's mm-hmm. there's the panel on towards the end this spread i don't think it's too extraneous though honestly it is not as bad as it could be and I don't think it's particularly, at least not for me, it's not too distracting, and it does feel, you know, it's Deja Thoris. It's the, it's, it's that genre, you mm-hmm. know? And it, I mean, the, the queen, the beginning is abs, she is exactly Deja Thoris. And she walks around in her skivvies. She doesn't have red skin, and, uh, she's also like 10 feet tall. Yeah, That's I was gonna pretty say. Pretty awesome. <laughs> She's gigantic. Yeah, she's huge. It's amazing. She wants him to stick around and be her little husband. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Be her little husband. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, it's his his work is great. It's mm. hard to you know how many ways you can say that, but it it I think. The fact that I, I, the, who colored, you remember who colored Fury Max? I do not. I wonder if it was, if it was this same artist. And it looks like, because he is also a Croatian, uh, a Croatian. I was going to say a Croatian artist, but you can leave it at that. He's a Croatian. Um, (coughs) he, he looks just like Freddie Mercury in this portrait. He might have better teeth. Makes me like him even more. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you ever see the drawing that Ryan Otley did of Freddie Mercury <coughs> in like a superhero costume? No. I I tweet I retweeted it. It's amazing. You should check it out. I need to, I need to look for that. I like you, Ryan Otley. You, sh- so. you should. It's delightful. And if you're, if, I'm looking up. What? So I'm looking at the colorist right now for uh, <coughs> for Fury Max to see who it was. I would be surprised if it was not the same the same uh, the can, same Croatian artist. No, Lee Luffridge. Okay, with the colors for that. At least for this this one issue, I could find the credits for. But I suppose he did all of them. I would imagine. But uh, 
uh, I've sort of seen it as a, it, the color, the brightness sets is a part of it, and mm-hmm. it really, really works with it. That I th- and also fights off that kind of darkness. It, it doesn't let anything dark set in, and it kind of guides you towards that that happy ending, which we've discussed. Like it's. It, it's that bright garishness, and the, the fact that it, like you point out, like it, Mobius was kind of that, uh, uh, the pulp art mm-hmm. to uh, like the furthest extension it could go to, like the most dreamlike. Yes, and and kind of, uh, I don't even know how to say it, but like the fact that then he uses kind of that 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 style mm-hmm. choices to mm-hmm. and meld it back mm-hmm. with its roots it's really yeah interesting and yeah and, mobius and, would have been inspired and, by the flash gordons of the buck rogers of the world you're saying but but it's yeah it's this marriage of all of these different these different influences mobius yeah would have, would have loved this guy would have loved rockabilly guy yeah i like rockabilly guy too oh he's great mobius would have loved this <laughs> I would have loved to have seen Mobius draw this guy. There are several characters. I mean, even ones you wouldn't expect, like his son. His son looks mm-hmm. lifted right out of, uh, uh, what the hell is that terrible book we read? <laughs> uh, Mad Woman of the Sacred Heart? That was what I was looking for, Mad Woman of the Sacred Heart. His his blonde son looks just like a character from that. He looks like young What's-His-Name. Oh yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, Professor Guy. Yeah, Professor Purple. <laughs> I I can't recall yeah. things now. I don't know what the I don't, deal is. I, I don't know his name. So I sorry. know his name is not something that I necessarily need floating around in my head too much, but that's fine. <laughs> that's something we uh, do. You, uh, there's an ending here, mm-hmm. a happy one. Mm-hmm. Is there more? Do you think that you think there's more somewhere? I could that, do for I could do for some more. But it's also, I mean, and maybe the reason it works is because it's a concise statement. Um, because th- this this space adventure stuff, these uh, these old trope stories, these old um, I don't know homages to this stuff. I mean, is it substantial enough to build a huge, like spanning story, or is it the kind of thing you just sort of you know you tell a little story in it, maybe maybe an arc or two, and then you get out. And I'm yeah. okay with that, and I wonder if this would start to run out of gas. Um, yeah, I really, well, I really do. Wish, I really do wish he had a talking dog in this. That would have made it. There like, is a mech. There's a there's what? a mecha cat. A mecha cat. Where's that at? Oh, I have to look it up again. It's in the, the near the end <laughs> when they're like trying to. They're near that big fight at the end. Uh, the uh, rockabilly dude is okay. running around, and there's a <laughs> looks like a mecha cat to me, but that's just me. So. You just see cats everywhere. I think so. No, but th- this is, it's a very satisfying read. I would mm. say that's the thing I came. It's very much like, yes, I feel like it has all those, yes. Like it's, he sets up the dominoes and knocks them over. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, once in a while, that's, I, that's good to read. Yeah. Doesn't everything have to have some, it doesn't, certainly doesn't, I don't think it has like any kind of deep meaning or a, some grand statement, but it's certainly fun and yeah. beautiful. It's it, it it what what else do you need? I mean, this is uh, this is the, it's a it's a big slice of chocolate cake. That's what this is, you know. Oh, now it, I want some chocolate cake. Of course you do. <laughs> it's it it's not really it's not meant to be, 
You know, it's it's not your kale smoothie. It's not you're not taking your medicine. God, do you, I, you know something we can talk about? What this? Do you know what this is? It's a cover. Turn turn to this. Really? It's it's really it's towards the end. It's oh, like, Rob Li- Rob Liefeld. Yeah, look at that. Look at that disgusting meat hook he drew that's holding that sword. <laughs> he looks like Crab Boy. Yeah, yeah, it's Liefeld. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for Cliff Chang's cover just being next to it. Yeah. It's so much better than his. Mm-hmm. God. Pretty much all the other covers are way better. Yes, they all are. It's really embarrassing that it's there. It's basically he just drew a figure in his sketchbook, probably handed it to someone else to ink it, and then... No, he inked it too. Oh, did he? He inked it as Pencils Pencils and Inks by Rob Liefeld, colored by someone else. I was going to say, I'm sure this was just a blank page with circles on it, and then he handed it to a a colorist to say, make this look good. And he's (laughs) like, I don't know if I can. (laughs) God... I I was looking at this because I have been I have been sort of drinking the Kool Aid like Brandon Graham and these guys. Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, he's got the feral feral Dalrymple talking about uh, liking Rob Liefeld's art. I'm like you know maybe mm-hmm. I should cut the guy some slack. And then I saw this and I'm like, this guy draws like he doesn't fucking care. Look at that meat hook. That's, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's an episode of Ink Studs where they talked about the legacy of Rob Liefeld, and I turned it off after about eight minutes. <laughs> I, was just like, I can't take this. Yeah. They're slobbering all over him. Well, I I don't know. I don't get it. I do not get it. No. I do like this this one where Duke looks like Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That's good. It is. That that is. Oh, I want to say that's uh, that's uh, one of the guys who, from Profit, someone who worked on Profit. I wouldn't doubt it. It looks it looks like that. Travis Terrest. There you go. Oh, is that is that who it is? It is. Interesting. Anything else you want to talk about? Here? Where, how would you recommend this to? Mm, I've got a whole bunch of uh, artsy fartsy friends that like Mobius books, and I wonder if they'd like it. You know, being that yeah. it's not drawn by Mobius, that it's. Uh, you know, direct homage to his work and his style, and written by a person that has read something other than, you know, the directions on what to do if you took bad LSD. Um, Well, actually, I imagine Joe Dorowski is considerably better read than that, but he's still an insane man. (laughs) He is insane. He is so insane. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I, I don't know how he's still alive. I don't either. Did I already tell you the, the the mushroom story? I don't know. He was being Jodorowsky was being interviewed by someone, and he was talking about being a, a boy in Cuba. And one of his friends started making fun of him, saying like like my 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 friends were like, "You're weird. Your penis looks like a mushroom." And the interviewer got very confused and said, "Does that mean that you were circumcised?" And they weren't. And he got really uncomfortable and became very quiet and didn't say any. Changed the subject. <laughs> don't even. Yes. I don't even. That's so. Okay. Uh, you know who I'd recommend this to? Me. I'd rec. I would recommend it to you. That's why we read it. Actually, you liked it already, so it's not really a recommendation. Uh, 
I would recommend this to people who uh, generally don't like Mark Millar. Mm. Who are maybe disenchanted with his more self-indulgent work and give this one a shot. It's, it, I, this is my favorite Malar book now. It's very good. You, have you read Red Sun? I, yes, I've read Red Sun multiple times. I hmm. think this is better. Wow. I, I mean, I like Red Sun, but I, it's, I don't know. Uh, after a couple of rereads through it, it's, it's kind of blossom of its luster. You seem to think, I know you thought Civil War was so very tied to that era that it it was the same way, and when we reread it, you you I don't know you I think you sort of reinforced that. I didn't feel quite the same, but I mean, I, to an extent, I did agree with you. Do you think that that's part of who Millar is? That he doesn't necessarily age very well. That he doesn't write things that are timeless. That it's just so very connected to that moment. I don't know. Red Sun isn't necessarily. Not that it's time. I, I I think he writes most mostly. I think this. I like this. Um, maybe because it is the broadest kind of thing mm-hmm. that it can go to many people can like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he just writes to certain. I don't. I, I was younger and liked when I read Red Sun, and I liked. I really. I was hugely impressed with Red Sun when mm-hmm. I first read it. Same thing with Civil War, but I was younger, and I just. I maybe just, you know, I, I don't want to say less mature, even though I was less mature. I don't know if that's why, but maybe I'm just more read, more well read now. I've read more stuff and can see the influences more. And I don't know, but I think it's I probably like to, right. It's probably a combination of a lot of things and just the whole yeah. environment comics are in now is different. So the tones yeah. are different and you are, you know, a different and more mature person. So, I mean, all these things are going to read different, but I, I guess I'm curious if, if this is something that we would consistently say, looking back at his older work, you know, would we say this hasn't this hasn't aged well? This doesn't fit into what comics are now, because in my mind, Red Sun fits in very well. Like it makes a lot of sense, even though it is sort of about you know Cold War and totalitarianism and whatever. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, I Red Sun certainly it ages fine. I'm not saying that it's. It's probably my second favorite thing of Mark Millar's, um, of that I've read. He's, he's written a lot of stuff that I haven't read, so I can't say, uh, paint everything with a broad stroke, but I've read a selection of uh, his other stuff and I was never like, I thought it was fine. He's, he's certainly, ta- he's skilled. Yeah. He knows how to write a story. Uh, it's just a lot of, there's problematic stuff in it, which I don't, I think, which other people have said this, this is nothing new, but that he includes things just for shock value to boost sales. It's not necessarily that he believes anything or cares that, you know, or thinks that this style of comics is better than anything else. You know, ultraviolence or, you know, rape, which is, or kind of racism or stuff like that. I, I, sir, I, it, cause he's such a smart guy and like you can see in this, like a very smart writer. It seems like when stuff's included in some of his work, you think, well, I mean, he's a great salesman. He, he pitches his work very well. And that's part of the reason a lot of them are made into movies, like uh, what, Secret Service. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the new one that was just made? That's his, that's a Mark Millar book. Um, I don't. I think he just wants. Well, I know this will sell, so I'll include it in this book. I don't know if some of certain things are more passion projects or not, or if some things he just comes up with an idea and like, oh, I'll make that a comic, it'll sell well. It's. It, I have heard him described as a creator that he tends to shape his work around that around the business that he is 
first and foremost concerned with the sales numbers and with creating the product that that will get the most eyeballs. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it doesn't make sense that he's successful uh, in that light. That these things have become, you know, films, and he's worked on these projects, and I mean, it just seems it's it's it is a lot of his end game, and I don't know, it's what he invests himself into. It's my yeah, understanding and I'm not, of who he is. And that's what I that, and I think that's why I would say that people who have that feeling about him, I would say read this because mm-hmm. I I certainly I don't it doesn't have any kind of crassness that I don't like in a lot of his books. It is kind of earnest. Yeah, and I and that's I I think that's what I've kind of we are both I think like we like superhero comics that are earnest I, in in particular. I mean. Uh, I think that's what we generally like the most of like Miss Marvel comes straight to mind as long as in Batgirl and a lot of these new wave kind of earnest superhero comics that aren't the grim gritty stuff. And this has that same kind of feel. It's it's it feels earnest. It feels just a good time adventure fun where good guys win. Yeah. And if you saw I think that uh, a, 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 a lot of comic fans, if they saw Mark Millar's name on the cover. They wouldn't think that, but I think that that this, it, this deserves a deeper look by fans in general and Mark Millar critics especially because I'm I would recommend this to pretty much anyone honestly I mean but particularly the people who don't are kind of disenchanted with his work but this is a, it's a great read it's beautiful Parlov's art is great it's, it's a joy to read blurb me come on Mark Millar blurb me on the the, the whatever special edition. Did you see that his uh, his autobiography that's coming out, his autobiography, is called Genius? <laughs> that sounds just, that sounds exactly like we, we just, I had no knowledge of that, but that, yep. I'm glad you sounds found that. Sounds about right. I'm glad you found that as funny as I did. Yes. I'm, I'll probably read it, actually. I mean, I, honestly. I imagine it will, it will be worth reading. It can't, <laughs> I mean, it's. Grant Morrison's uh, superhero slash memoir book is similarly like, hey, I'm hey, I'm smart. So I mean, it's you know, it's fine. Uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's perfectly acceptable to have a little bit of an ego about yourself, but I do think it's it's, it's pretty hilarious. Genius. Yeah, it's good. Genius. Genius. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with this book, Eric? I don't think so. Duke's going to be okay. Duke's going to be okay. So, folks, uh, Starlight, Mark Millar, Goran Parlov, uh, definitely go check it out. Great book. Uh, next week, we are beginning another multi-week exploration. Done this a few times before. This time, we are tackling Preacher. Yes, Preacher. Garth Ennis, Steve Dillon. We're, uh, we're going to be making nothing but Dillon face the whole time we read it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have to make Dillon face as you read Preacher. But we are going to be doing... Uh, next week, we're going to do the first three volumes. First three, tr- that's trade paperbacks. They've released hardcovers too, but uh, for those who don't have, you don't know what edition, whatever. It's three issues 26, one through 26 for next week. And uh, we can figure following weeks on afterwards, but next week, Preachers 1 through 26, volumes 1, 2, 3 in the trade paperback. Uh, I think that will do it for this episode. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I, I feel like we have done our comic book duty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. 
We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Uh, find us on iTunes. Uh, please, if you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. It uh, helps us out. Helps us get new listeners. We really appreciate that. Of course. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour. Twitter at hbchour. You can email us, handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. I'd like to hear from you guys. Uh, please, if you have thoughts, questions, complaints, criticisms, concerns, Send them in. Compliments. We like those. I like insults personally, particularly when they're about Robbie. <laughs> so he likes if you insult me. Yeah. Please tweet me insults about Robbie. There you go. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NixMasterSerial at M-A-S-T-E-R-C-R-E-A-L. Eric, where can they find you online? Well, you can get me by... Looking at my portfolio at freewillunlimited.com. You can see most of the things I get up to online by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Pinterest and my Tumblr. And you can tweet at me. My Twitter handle is MrBadExample, spelled M-R-BadExample. So with that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.